Hello, this is Christy Cundiff, and I am your host of the Indiana Foster and Adoptive Parents podcast. This podcast is sponsored by adoption attorney Grant Kirsch of Kirsch and Kirsch PC. Kirsch and Kirsch PC specializes in all types of adoptions, such as foster care adoption, newborn, and step parent adoptions. Whether you are a family hoping to adopt or you are an expecting mother wanting to explore the choice of adoption, you can reach out to attorney Grant Kirsch of Kirsch and Kirsch PC at area code 317-575-5555. Or you can visit his website at www.indianaadoption.com. Christy Cundiff is an inspirational and motivational child welfare advocate. She's the mom to 14 children. She has four biological girls, which includes triplets, eight adoptive children, which includes twins, and the guardian of two former foster youth. She's also a Grammy to three beautiful grandchildren. Christy and her husband, Brian, have fostered many children, but particularly enjoyed helping older youth in need. Christy is now focusing her efforts on supporting, educating, and advocating on behalf of foster children and the families who care for them. She grew up and resides in Brazil, Indiana. She graduated from Indiana State University with a BS in psychology and postgraduate work in special education. It was only after her 10-year-old adopted daughter was diagnosed with schizophrenia that she really understood the magnitude of despair foster and adoptive children suffer. She became very much aware of the need for child welfare reform in Indiana when her daughter was too sick to be treated in her home state. The Indiana Foster and Adoptive Parents Resources and Advocacy Group, IFAP, was born 35,000 feet in the air, somewhere between Colorado and Indiana, while Christy was on her way home after admitting her daughter into a long-term treatment facility. Today, the organization is over 8,100 members and growing at a not-for-profit. IFAP is educating and advocating for major child welfare reform, not just in Indiana, but all across the United States. This is the IFAP podcast episode one, IFAP history. Welcome, this is Christy Cundiff, and I am over the top excited about our very first podcast for the Indiana Foster and Adoptive Parents Resources and Advocacy Group, better known as IFAP. In our very first episode, I wanted to share the rich history of IFAP and how our organization has evolved. I believe that to fully appreciate where we are today, it is very important to know where we have been, and even more important, where we are going into the future. My husband Brian and I decided we wanted to help children, actually our own family members back in 2006, so we decided to become foster parents. As it turned out, our family members did not need us. My great nieces went on to be adopted by their maternal grandmother. But little did we know, there would be many more children who would need our help over the course of our foster parenting journey. Our first four bundles of joy would arrive in November of 2006. They were a sibling group of a five and six year old girl and a 12 year old boy and a 14 year old girl. They were full siblings. The two older children had went to their school guidance counselor and reported their father was smoking cocaine in front of them. The Department of Child Services were called and they were removed and placed into foster care. 
Three different moves to foster homes later, they arrived on our doorstep at 2 a.m. in the morning. We would go on to adopt the three younger ones. Our children are now 18, 19, and 24. The younger two will be graduating from high school this school year. Our next bundle of joy would arrive in July of 2008. He was a very cute but angry with acting out behaviors little brown-eyed seven-year-old boy. He came from one of the worst cases of neglect the state of Indiana had ever seen. I have learned a lot from caring for a young child with conduct disorder. I plan to share that story with you later in a different podcast. My next bundle of joy arrived one week later, also in July of 2008. A 12-year-old boy with spinal bifida. He was mobile but was incontinent of his bowels and his bladder. He was the apple of his mother's eye. They had a great relationship where his mother treated him as her equal. That was okay until mom, who was 48, connected and married a man who was 72. This kiddo went from being a hero to a zero on a Valentine's Day one year before he was brought to me. His mom married the older man and no longer wanted her son around. I have always said this was a tragic situation. I could explain away drugs, alcohol, abuse, and neglect, but there was no way I could explain away the rejection and not being wanted anymore to a 12-year-old boy who loved his mother more than life itself. Brian and I were done being foster parents at this point. We had adopted five children, and when added to our four biological girls who were just heading off to college, We felt like nine was enough. What is the saying about God never gives you more than what you can handle? Yes, God was not finished with us yet. He had a plan way bigger than what ours was. Well, at our last adoption hearing for our 12-year-old son, a caseworker asked me if I could help her figure out what to do with a sibling group of three children. There were twins, age six, a boy and a girl, and their brother was five. These children were floundering in the foster care system. They were two and three years old when they entered the system, and now seven placements and over two years later, all of the moves was taking a toll on them. The current placement they were in only wanted the two little boys and not the little girl. The department was looking at splitting the twins up. How could I possibly let this happen? I began to work with the foster parents in their current placement. I quickly began to realize this placement was not going to work if these three children were going to be kept together. One night at 11 p.m., I received a call. It was from the family case manager asking me if I could go get the little girl. I remember saying that I would go and get her, but I would also get her brothers too. I was not going to be the one responsible for splitting the sibling group up. So I made the two-hour round trip and picked up the three little ones. Little did I know the real adventure was about to begin. I spent time with the three new littles. I had them assessed, and they were globally delayed. We immediately started occupational, physical, and speech therapy. They are great kids and are very, very smart. And needless to say, they did very well in their therapies. They had all been born meth positive and are fetal alcohol children, but the little girl had suffered more trauma to her brain than the two boys. She was also a shaken baby. 
I could tell her auditory processing skills were very delayed, but she was so smart and worked very hard in her therapies. The children were also in behavioral therapy and medication management with a psychiatrist, and again, they all did very well. They enjoyed riding their bikes, swimming, we vacationed in Myrtle Beach, and going to the YMCA summer camp each day. The little girl enjoyed going to dance classes and church camp and her Sunday school class. Life was great for these three little ones. Now a word from our sponsor, Grant Kirsch of Kirsch and Kirsch PC. Hi, this is Grant Kirsch, second generation adoption attorney with the Indiana Adoption Law Firm of Kirsch and Kirsch PC. My father, Stephen, a past president of the American Academy of Adoption Attorneys, actually suggested most of Indiana's adoption laws since the early 1990s. The Kirsch family has handled over 7,000 adoptions and probably handles more adoptions than anyone else in the state of Indiana. If you are a foster parent in Indiana and your family case manager or the judge in your case has told you that the permanency plan is getting ready to change from reunification to adoption or that it's just time to hire an adoption attorney, you should call me, Grant Kirsch, with Kirsch & Kirsch PC today. My phone number is 317-575-5555. Again, 317-575-5555. Or find us online at indianaadoption.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Life was great for these three little ones. But one day, while at the YMCA summer camp, that would all change and come crashing down around us. Brian received a call from the director of the summer camp. She explained to Brian that he needed to come and get our daughter. She had taken a pencil and stabbed a five-year-old little girl in the back three times because an old lady had told her to do it. At 10 years old, our daughter Shelby experienced her first of many auditory hallucinations. Brian and I decided to get our daughter treatment in a long-term facility that had a unit for kids with an average of about a six-month stay. After the six-month stay and intensive treatment, our daughter was released to come home and went back to school. But honestly, she never seemed the same. She would struggle for the next six months until the full psychotic breakdown happened July 1st of 2016. Shelby's full psychotic breakdown led us to start looking for a long-term treatment facility for her once again. She was in and out of the acute stay hospital 11 different times that summer due to violent and aggressive behaviors toward herself and others. We sent her packet to all of the treatment facilities in Indiana only to receive denials from each and every one. They stated our daughter was too sick and they could not help her. We had a really big problem besides our daughter's illness. Shelby was covered by Indiana Adoptive Medicaid, but every facility in the state of Indiana denied her for treatment. This meant we had to start looking outside of the state of Indiana for her treatment. But we also had an even bigger problem. We didn't have any funding source to pay outside of the state of Indiana. Shelby's Adoptive Medicaid was not effective outside of Indiana for mental health care treatment. We had to hire a special education attorney to work with our school corporation. We filed for due process against our corporation to get our daughter the mental health care treatment she so desperately needed. I rely on my faith very heavily and knew God would work his plan. Within days, 
of the meeting with the attorneys in the school corporation, I found myself on a plane with my daughter flying to Denver, Colorado. I will never forget this day as long as I live. Shelby and I were met at the airport by the facility staff who drove us to the treatment facility. We were given a tour and then taken to the nurse's check-in area. That's when Shelby and I both lost it, but in two very different ways. For Shelby, she became more aggressive and violent. She began yelling, screaming, turning over tables and chairs, and staff was called to assist with her. I saw them carry her off, yelling, kicking, and screaming. For me, I felt like I was dying inside. I felt like the staff had carried part of me away with Shelby. I felt like a complete failure as her mother. I felt like I was giving up on her, even though I knew I wasn't. I began to question the decisions that Brian and I had made to bring Shelby over a thousand miles away from our family and sign her into a treatment facility. But what other choice did we have? As the staff drove me back to the airport to fly home without even being able to say goodbye to my strawberry blonde, freckled face, blue-eyed little girl, I was crushed. How could this have happened? And why did this happen? How do I explain this to her brothers? As I was waiting for my plane at the airport, I received a phone call from the facility. I'll be honest, I didn't want to answer, but I knew I had to. I could not listen to any more bad news for the day. My cup was full and no way to empty it. As I answered the phone and listened, I heard my sweet Shelby's voice on the other side. She was very tearful and understandably upset. I have never forgotten the words that she said to me. Mommy, you need to come get me. You need to come get me now. Daddy would not want me to be here. That was it. What little spirit I had left in me was now broken and gone. I think I cried every tear from my eyes. I pulled together every bit of positive energy I could, and I prayed for more strength to come and any soothing words for Shelby I could find. And this is what came out. Shelby, you're right. Daddy would not want you to be there, but he also does not want you hurting yourself or hurting other people. We had to get you to the best possible facility we could find for you, and unfortunately, it was in Colorado. We shed our tears together. I told her how much I loved her. I promised I would be back soon to see her, and we would talk over the phone every day. I sat in the airport, a broken mom, and probably at one of the lowest points in my life. I didn't wait a long time and boarding on the plane soon started for my flight home. I sat in my seat as I listened to the instructions from the flight attendants. The plane rolled down the runway, picking up speed to take off and the tires no longer touched the ground. I was in the air heading back to Indiana without my daughter. I closed my eyes and I began to pray. I prayed for God to give me peace and understanding. I asked God to guide me down the road of his plan. I got asked him to use me and Shelby's illness for his purpose. My last prayer was that no other parent would ever need to make the painful decision for their child that Brian and I were forced to make for ours. Then 35,000 feet above the ground, somewhere between Colorado and Indiana, the thought came to me. 
I know there are children in Indiana who need help just like my Shelby. I know there is a way I can help them. But how? How can these families find me and I find them? How can we share resources with one another? How can we help all the children in Indiana? How can we advocate and support and educate each other, not just each other really, but as many people as we can reach in Indiana? And this, my friends, was how the Indiana Foster and Adoptive Parents was born on a Facebook group page somewhere between Indiana and Colorado. We are now a not-for-profit 5013C and we help support, educate, and advocate for one another for the past three years. We heavily begin advocating at the Indiana State Capitol for the last two years. We meet with representatives and senators, the state director of the Department of Child Services, the governor's staff, and even the governor on an ongoing basis. IFAP today has over 8,200 members that are comprised of many people who sincerely care about the Indiana child welfare system. We work together to share stories and resources. We support each other through our good times and our bad. We know that when we are working together, we can bring about positive changes for the children of Indiana. Separated, we are broken, but together we have gained strength. I have often said we cannot walk backwards into our future and the future for the foster children of Indiana is the Indiana Foster and Adoptive Parents Resources and Advocacy Group, or better known as IFAP. If we nurture little children together, we can grow big dreams. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Foster and Adoptive Parents Podcast. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Brent Kirsch with Kirsch and Kirsch PC, Adoption Attorneys, and you, our dedicated listener. We hope you'll come back and visit us next week as we continue our discussion on the plight of foster children and the families who are caring for them. You can also join in on the conversation online by visiting fosterandadoptiveparents.org.